CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Happy Friday, everybody. It is time for Options Action. We've got a great show lined up for you. Here's what's on deck. Nobody likes it. Keep your receipts. Carter Worth isn't buying the bounce in retail sales data. In fact, he's drawing up signs to guide you to the returns aisle right now. But there's a lot of upside here. It's still a party in other areas of the market. You bring the chips. Tony Zhang is bringing the salsa and NVIDIA. And new to options action. That sounds like the perfect question for Professor Ko. Welcome. You're not alone. As individual investor interest grows, so too is the options marketplace. Professor Mike Ko explains how that could benefit everyone with more diverse product. Uh, well, options. It's time to risk less and make more. Options action starts right now. And let's get right to it. A slew of retailers on deck to report quarterly results next week, including Walmart, Target, and Kohl's. But despite today's big pop in monthly sales data, our chart master says the recent retail wreckage isn't quite over yet. So, Carter, what are you seeing in the charts? Sure, we did get data, as you mentioned. Uh, retail sales uh, today reported that the total value uh, are now higher than uh, pre-COVID, so that's, uh, in a way, bullish. But the stocks reflect it in aggregate. Let's look at a few charts. The first is a comparative chart. And what you're looking at, of course, is simply XRT. Uh, that's the equal weight uh, retail ETF. It's 88 stocks. It's $3 trillion versus the S&P. One-year comparative chart trailing 12 months. And what we know is, of course, this index is double the performance of the S&P, up 36% versus the S&P, up 18 And so the question is, how much is priced in? Uh, second chart, this is a two-panel chart, and it's another way to look at the circumstance in question. What you have here is the XRT on top going back to its inception with its 150-day moving average. And on the bottom is a calculation. It's just showing how far above or below the XRT has gotten uh, in relation to its 150-day moving average. And we are now just exactly as high as we were coming off the 09 crash and ricochet. Uh, overbought comes to mind as a phrase. Uh, the third chart is a comparative chart, two panel, and in this case you're looking at XRT on the top, and now you're looking at XRT, the equal weighted uh, retail index, versus the XLY, the actual, which we know is dominated by Home Depot and Amazon and McDonald's, Nike, and so forth. And this counter trend move on the bottom panel, this relative outperformance period, every time we've gotten to the trend line, it has failed. And you can see those arrows I've uh, drawn there annotated the chart. The bet here is it's going to fail again as a relative outperformer and start to falter. And then finally, just the absolute chart of XRT itself, what you have here is this incredible move from the plunge low of March right back to a well-defined prior top. In principle, before exceeding the high, a stock occurrence commodity will contend with the high, which is to say back and fill or back away. We've just now approached the former high. The thought here would be to hedge, to trim, to take some measures before someone does it for you. All right. Thanks for that, Carter. Mike, what is the trade out of this? 
Yeah, so it's interesting when you start talking about equal weight versus you know cap weighted indices, and that's the situation that we have here, and that's what Carter was alluding to. One of the downsides of a cap weighted index, of course, is that you're heavily dependent on the winners. But of course, that's also one of the good things too. Whoever wins, as they uh, go up, they increase their weight to the index, and of course, the ones that are underperforming have a smaller and smaller impact. What's interesting here is that you take a look at something like Rent-A-Center. That's the same weight as Amazon in this particular index. It's kind of hard to imagine. There's something like 15 auto parts or car dealerships in this. And you have to understand that, of course, given the economic environment that we're in, some of these big durable goods exposures have to be in some significant jeopardy. Now, if you're taking a look at it from a volatility perspective, we have seen that the price of options were highly elevated, of course, like they were for so many things, and volatility has fallen. We've started to see volatility in the broad markets come in, and very much here, too. But the thing is, we often do see increases in volatility after we get through Labor Day. And so looking ahead to that, rather than trying to involve myself in some kind of a spread, I was looking out to the October 2nd weekly, 50 strike puts. Those were trading for about $1.85 when I was looking, and you might wonder why I chose that particular expiration. Usually when I'm trying to follow Carter's technical setups, I'm looking for 60 to 90 days. It doesn't happen to be an expiration that fits that perfectly. But the idea here is I'm trying to be able to carry through Labor Day, through September, sometimes an uptick in volatility. And here we are. We're trading just at these all-time highs right here. And, you know, there is definitely some companies here that haven't been on the radar, not some of the big retailers that have been failing. But they obviously could be exposed if we start to see some significant um, consumer weakness. Yeah. Tony, what do you think? Yeah, so I really like Carter's chart work here, but I will want to in, uh, warn investors that it's typically quite hard to shorten this particular market, especially the strength that we're seeing in XRT. But if you do look at the constituents of this particular ETF, you have a lot of them that have actually reported over the past couple of weeks. They rallied into those earnings reports, but they've now either stalled or started to reverse lower. So I do like the opportunistic play here of a short here, especially if you look at stocks like Overstock, Carvana, Wayfair. A lot of these stocks have started to to stall their momentum and started to move lower. So I do think that opportunistic play here, but I think the key here is to limit your risk as small as possible. And I think that's exactly what Mike is doing, using a put here. Um, for investors that want to maybe even limit their risk a little further, you could perhaps spread this and trade a put spread, but the trade itself I really like. Yeah, why not a put spread, Mike? Yeah, I think there's really two reasons for this. I mean, one of them is, you know, a lot of the names and some of the ones actually that Tony just mentioned, these things are trading at pretty heady valuations. If you start to see some kind of valuation, multiple contraction here, combined with some other just general market weakness, that could hit this pretty hard. And the idea is not that I'm opposed to spreads. I'm not opposed to spreads. I love spreads. But this is a situation where if we start to see the market roll over, you're going to want to work your way into that spread. Wait until it starts to roll over, then look for your opportunity to sell that down stri downside strike or to roll this one. This gives us a little bit more flexibility. Is there somewhat more risk? Yes, but we're still looking at less than 4% of the current level of XRT by putting this on. So it's not a significant risk, and it's certainly a lot less risk than shorting XRT would be. Carter, are there retailers whose charts you actually like, even though you don't like the overall index? Sure. I mean, frankly, I think Walmart is quite good. Target's quite good. But we, we heard something just a minute ago about overstock, which is kind of fun. Of the 88 stocks, overstock 
is uh, the biggest weighting in XRT. And while they're almost all equal weight, it's 5%. The next closest is 2 But here's the greatest story. Overstock was basically priced for bankruptcy before the COVID hit. It was trading at $2 and is now at 100 That's a 50-bagger off the low. If you look at all S&P 500 stocks, all technology stocks, all stocks in the Russell 3000, the number one performing stock of all stocks listed is Overstock.com. And it is the biggest weighting in this equal-weighted uh, ETF. Wow. A too hot. That's staggering. Um, by the way, it's not just retailers set to report next week. We're also getting more numbers out of the semiconductor space. And BDS steps up to give its latest quarterly results. Our Tony Zhang says this chip could rip on the announcement. So, Tony, what are you looking at? Yeah, I'm looking at NVIDIA, and the, the stock here is incredible. It's driven uh, predominantly off of two major sectors, which is gaming and cloud computing, which NVIDIA has pretty much dominated even before COVID. And ever since COVID, we've just absolutely poured fuel on the fire. Now, we expect Q2 earnings here to be fairly strong because you see gaming and semiconductors to remain very resilient throughout COVID. But I think the important thing to look at here for earnings for this particular quarter is actually the guidance going into uh, the second half of the year, predominantly around gaming, which I, which I expect to be very strong. And this is coming down to the fact that you have an Xbox and PS5 launching here in the fall, and that generally triggers PC gamers to upgrade their tech. And this is something that NVIDIA has about a 75% market share within. And I think that's going to offset some of the softness that's going to come out of the cloud computing space here. So guidance is really important here. If we look at the chart, the stock is really not a whole lot to say other than this incredible strength. It recently broke out above the 430 resistance level, came back to test this as support is now starting to move higher. That's the type of setup that I typically like to look for going into an earnings event. And the options currently are implying a fairly sizable move here, about a 7.6% implied move versus the average of only about 4.9% over the last four quarters. But there's no hiding behind the fact that NVIDIA trades at a very rich valuation, a certain, a very large premium to its peers at about 56 times next year's earnings. So as optimistic as I might be on this particular stock, I do think it's fairly valued and I think that there's somewhat limited upside. So the trade structure I'm looking to use here reflects that. I'm going out to September and I'm selling the 450, 415 put spread here, collecting about $22.60, selling the September 450s, and, collect, and paying about $10.60 on the September uh, 415 puts. Net-net here, I'm collecting about a $12 credit on this $35 wide credit spread, which is just about a third of the width here. That's about $12 out of the money. And my break-even price here is 438. So as long as NVIDIA trades sideways, moves higher, or even moves a little bit lower, I can be profitable on this particular trade. And I'm only risking 5%. So in the unlikely event that NVIDIA blows out earnings and moves substantially lower, I'm risking only 5% of the stock price to take this bet. Mike, do you like this trade? I definitely like the trade structure. I mean, look, it's, it's almost impossible to try to short a stock that's this expensive and that is basically going straight up. And so I, I definitely like the structure from that standpoint. I mean, the street is pretty overwhelmingly bullish on the name, but the stock has actually gotten well ahead of the average analyst price target. Sometimes that's a sign that investors know something that the analysts don't, or at least haven't gotten around to telling us yet. Uh, but I certainly think if you're going to follow the technical setup, and I'm not the technician on this show, then you know, this is a good way to place a bearish bet or to hedge your long if you've been fortunate enough to enjoy the ride so far. Do you agree with the direction of this trade, Carter? What do the charts look like? 
Well, so you heard the word incredible twice mm -hmm. from Tony. It is. It's just an incredible uptrend. But you also heard uh, from uh, Mike that the street is bullish. 34 buys, only two sells. And yet, of those 34 analysts, their price target 12 months from now is $415. The stock is at 462 Are they bullish? Meaning the streets just had this one wrong. It's been uh, a monster and it's incredible. Now you make your bets before earnings. For everything Options Action, you can check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter. Here's what's coming up next. Coming up, you've got options, and you're getting even more of them. Professor Ko explains why new product slices could grow the pie for everyone. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. We've been tackling the explosion in options volume for a while now. And as you all know, as we know, you can't talk about options without talking volatility, especially when it comes to the year's best performing index. And that, of course, would be the Nasdaq 100, up a whopping 27%. And there's a brand new way now to track its volatility. So if you're wondering why that should matter to your portfolio, you are in luck because Professor Coe is here with a call to action. Mike, take it away. Yeah, I mean, this is really pretty exciting news. It's not out yet, but it will be soon. What we're talking about is the NASDAQ 100 volatility index. They're going to be offering futures on this, which are going to trade on the CME. And then subsequent to that, there's going to be options trading on them. But even if you don't happen to trade these products, and they're going to be fairly big contracts. The contract multiplier on these futures is going to be about 1,000. This matters a lot. First of all, as you pointed out, the NASDAQ 100 is the year's best performing index. The other thing is, of course, that the volumes of options have essentially been exploding. We can take a look at the history of options volumes traded on listed exchanges in the United States. It's gone up more than 50% over the course of the last three years. And of course, there's also been a big increase in the interest in trading in volatility strategies. And volatility strategies, it's easy enough for people who buy and sell stocks to see how much the market's moving around. These volatility products tell us how much the options markets anticipate that will move around. And when you involve yourself in volatility strategies, the way money is made and lost is the difference between those two. VolQ is going to tr track the volatility of the NASDAQ 100 index. And I see this as a very good complement to the VIX, of course, which is broadly known as the fear index, which tracks volatility on the SPX. There's a pretty big difference, though, in the way these two are calculated. The VIX can be a little bit obscure for people to understand because in order to, to calculate it, you actually have to take a look at a weighted strip of options that expires 30 days from now. But the way most traders actually take a look at implied volatility is they just take a look at the price of options that are at the money. So this will also always continuously be looking at options that are 30 days from the day that you're looking at them, but it's going to be the at-the-money options that you're looking at. The first two out-of-the-money call strikes and two, first two out-of-the-money put strikes, essentially the way to think about this. And intuitively, I think that's going to make a lot of sense to people. And you know, as far as I'm concerned, when we see the big uptick in options volume, the big uh, increase in the amount of information that's available to investors, some competition 
and more underliers, I think that's really a win-win. It's probably going to be a win on pricing. It's going to be a win on basically transparency and price discovery in the marketplace. And of course, it's a big increase in investor choice. So I think this is a, a really positive development. Tony, do you think this will be useful? Yeah, absolutely, because arguably these days when you look at an investor's portfolio, it is likely to look more and more like the NASDAQ 100 index rather than the S&P 500 index. So it's important to have a volatility index that tracks your portfolio, especially from an institutional perspective. I think this encourages institutional volume towards the NASDAQ 100 index to have a product like VolQ to be able to hedge their tail risk here. Now, as Mike said, the calculations here are different from the VIX, so that is important because the VolQ index is more closely aligned with what a lot of traders actually use for their calculations, whether they're using implied vol percentile or implied vol rank. The VolQ calculation is much more in line with those types of calculations that investors use. But also what's interesting is that they're going to be calculating a call uh, call dex and a put dex so that you have a good understanding also of skew between the call and put side. So these are all advantages to the VolQ index that I think is going to be quite interesting to look at as they launch here on October 5th. Carter, your thoughts on this new product? Well, in principle, right, the more the merrier in the sense that uh, you want as efficient to market any given time in any market, and so more vehicles, more ways to participate uh, is a good thing, not a bad thing. And, and in terms of the explosion in volume, I mean, think about what happened in SLV. Just to, I mean, SLV options never traded more than a million contracts, and then in the past 10 sessions, you've had six days where that's happened. And this is all just to the point of more investor interest and more opportunities both to do very well but of course to also hurt oneself yeah mike last word yeah i think the other thing i would say is that because of the nuance between the differences of these that themselves is going to present a trading opportunity the more specific you can be about the things that you want to bet on or believe in the marketplace and the more tailored you can make your bets the better off you're going to be. And so I think that's a really another positive way to take a look at this. There might be opportunities to trade this product against the VIX, and I, I imagine there will be a lot of that. All right. Up next, a Cisco slide. We are breaking down how the tech stocks fall out on earnings this week. is shaking out for one of our traders. Plus, we are taking your tweets, so send us your questions at Options Action. We'll answer some of them on air. We'll be back right after this. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at a couple of our open trades. Just last week, Tony laid out a bullish way to place Cisco into earnings. Cisco is the backbone of the internet hardware business and it currently trades at a very reasonable valuation just like John Deere and it's recently made some made, uh, some strategic in, uh, acquisitions here in the cloud um, security business and I think that 2020 is going to be a turnaround year here for Cisco. So the trade I'm looking to do is to use a September 47.5, 52.5 call spread paying about $1.85 for that 47.5 call collecting about 35 cents on that 52 and a half call. As we all know, Cisco's results disappointed, but this trade helped mitigate some of the pain you could have been feeling otherwise. So what are you doing now, Tony? 
Yeah, so Cisco reported earnings, beat actually both on earnings and revenue, but uh, company guided lower. So what we saw is about a 9% drop in the underlying stock price. But this is specifically why we use call spreads like this to limit the amount of risk that we're taking. Stock's down 9%. The strategy itself, when we tweeted this on Thursday morning to close out the trade, only lost about 2.5% of the underlying stock price. So you were able to mitigate a lot of the risk of the downside risk compared to buying a call, uh, compared to buying the stock and this is a prime example of how you can utilize options to limit your risk on a trade like this all right well meantime cohen carter laid out a way to play the soft commodity space for cold hard gains everyone knows what a breakout is do they always work of course not but this is the setup that we look for and then we look for the catalyst we know we have earnings coming up in the next two weeks john deere here closed out at 183.50 and I think this is going to 200. What I'm going to do is buy the September 185 calls. When I was looking at those earlier today, those were about $6.75. Sell the August 195 calls against it for $1.10. Net net, I'm spending $5.65. That's a little over 3% of the current stock price. Well, Deer jumped about 5% this week. So, Mike, what do you do? Yeah, this is one of those situations when you uh, go to a store and it says act now. And that's exactly what you needed to do on Monday morning because this stock actually did trade below 185 Monday morning, but it very much was off to the races. 186.5 by 10. And of course, midweek it actually hit our target of 195. Obviously, this is working in our favor. Some of you may have gotten in fairly close to the price we were talking about. Others may have missed the boat, but it is still working the way we want it to. And I think we're going to start seeing some decay in that 195 strike. So uh, this is a trade we stay with here. Carter, you stand by uh, that chart and the softs, for that matter? Right. All of it. Very good action. Uh, continued this week in chemical names, uh, fertilizer names. John Deere obviously having a big week, but the earnings are still coming next Friday, and uh, presumptively it's the catalyst for yet further gains. All right. Up next, you got your tweets and the final call. Welcome back to Options Action. If you caught up at the top of the hour, you heard that Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway took a new stake in Barrick Gold. We've got a tweet on gold, in fact. So let's get to it. One viewer asks, I have GLD September 2215 calls. Should I sell it for a loss or hold it? Carter, what do you say? I think you sell it for a loss. We know that uh, gold has just pulled off nine consecutive weeks in a row up. That's only happened three other times in history, in 1980, in 2003, and in 2006. And looking forward, those other times, gold was down consistently, one month, three months, six months. Gold got a little hot. It's too far to make it to 215. I'd take the loss and move on. All right. Our next viewer asks, SPY, March 290 puts. What do you think? Mike. Uh, I like owning puts here. Obviously, it's consistent with our XRT trade as well. That's a little bit far out and a little bit far down. 30 deltas, 30 days. That might be my answer. All right. It is time now for the final call, the last word from the options pits. Carter Braxtonworth, what do you say? Well, XRT, it's a way to bet against uh, consumer retail-based names. We like it on the short side. Tony Zhang. I'm looking for a continuation in the surge in gaming, selling a put vertical spread here in NVIDIA. Mike Coe, I didn't know about VolQ. I think that's an interesting product. It looks really exciting. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. October 2nd, XRT50 strike puts. All right, Professor Coe, way to close out the week. That does it for us here on Options Action. Of course, we will be back here next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Meantime, do not go anywhere. 
Summer School with Frank Holland and Josh Brown is back in session. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.